glad you're here. It's a beautiful day and I hope you are encouraged. I'm going to dive right in here. We're looking at a, a lesson for dads. We stopped and interrupted and did a message for moms. And I hope that was an encouragement to you. And I thought it was only proper to give dads the opportunity. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's it said on Mother's Day, we, we encourage moms. And on Father's Day, we beat up on dads. Well, that's not my goal. And that's not what we should be doing. And yet, as leaders... Dads, as leaders, you're challenged, and I'm challenged, to be all that God wants us to be as dads. And so we're going to look at disciplining. And of course, if you're a single uh, parent, this applies. We have a Heavenly Father that more than makes up for anything that is lacking in our lives. And as we're going to see in a minute, none of us are perfect. So nobody's coming at this fully uh, prepared or fully equipped for what God has called us to do. And here's the other thing. No matter where you are this morning and who you are, what age, what stage, it doesn't matter. We have a Father in heaven who disciplines us. And this is how he does it. And this is what he is accomplishing. So just as we would want our children to be obedient to our discipline, so our Heavenly Father wants us to be uh, obedient. And I think sometimes we don't look at our daily life like, well, how's the, maybe God's disciplining me. You know, maybe God's using this to train or develop me. And so I hope this helps all of us. So let me begin. When you get into the area of disciplining. Let me give you three facts to get us jumped right into this. And the fact number one is this. Every parent recognizes the need to discipline their children. All right. You don't have to like convince parents, hey, you need, you know, your kids need discipline. I mean, as soon as you have a child and within just a few months, the total depravity of that kid kicks in, there's a will There's a rebellion, there's a desire, my way, my way. And sometimes that's kind of a a wake-up moment for parents, but nonetheless, we know that our kids... The question is not whether our kids need discipline. The question is how to do it in a way that will draw our kids closer to us and more so closer to our God rather than driving them away. That's the goal. It's not whether to do it, it's how to do it. How can we establish a plan for shepherding their hearts, shaping their wills, without breaking their spirit? And uh, we kind of, we live in a culture that has two extremes when it comes to discipline in any area of life. One extreme is to be rigid and dictatorial and lay down the law and establish the rules and uh, run it like you're a general. The other extreme is a laissez-faire, do what you want, when you want to do it, however uh, your feelings lead you, go for it, I'm here to cheer you on. And so we, we want to have a balance. So fact number two. Here's the second fact. No parent is perfect in disciplining their children. Can we hear an amen on that? Yes. No parent is perfect. Parents are the lesser lights like the moon, which are to reflect the greater light of the one sun. And so one of the things that I've always tried to tell 
Uh, Amber is, look, I, I, we love you. I love you unconditionally, but I love you imperfectly. And I, my number one prayer is this. My imperfect love is sufficient to point you to the one who loves you perfectly. Amen? That's what we're doing. We're not presenting ourselves as the perfection, but we need to progress in a way to where our love does point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's only one perfect parent, and that's our Father in heaven. None of us have perfected this thing. I know Gwen and I haven't, but our lack of perfection is not an excuse for not making progress in our parenting. So I hope I can help you with that today. But the bottom line I want you to see on that is the pressure's off for you to be perfect. The pressure's off. And because when we come to this, and as you progress in this, as you reflect back on your parenting, the pressure is to think, I have failed. But the pressure's off. No parent is perfect. Fact number three, only our Heavenly Father in heaven can transform a child's heart through the Son, by the Spirit, with the gospel. And that's the thing. The challenge of parenting is to remember the goal is to see the heart transform. The second challenge is to realize I can't do it and only God can. So the goal is to shape the heart and to shepherd the heart and to shape the will, but only God can do it. Our sovereign heavenly father, though, uses means. God's the only one that can do it, but he uses means. And one of those means is parental discipline that's led by the father in the household, ideally in scripture. And so dads, here's my challenge to you this morning. Be a difference maker who dares to discipline your children. Be a difference maker who dares to discipline your children. You say, why, why would I say that specifically to dads? Well, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. What we're going to do this morning is just take this one single verse, because us guys need to have it really simple, and here's one verse that I'm going to give you five challenges as a dad for your discipline in the home. And then realize our Heavenly Father is disciplining us in the same five ways. So let's look at Ephesians 6 4 and notice what it says. It's, it's in a household code of, of, of the end of Ephesians 5 and the beginning of, of, of uh, Ephesians 6. He's talked to husbands and wives extensively, and then he moves into children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Okay, children obey their parents, but that's not going to happen haphazardly. It's not going to happen by chance. Verse 4, here's the key. Fathers. Do not, protect, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So let me give you five challenges to dare to discipline God's way, because God's way is found in that verse. And the first challenge is this. Dad, lead the way in discipline. Dad's 
Lead the way in discipline. And maybe you've never seen this in this verse, but look at, I read verse 1. So look back at verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's a different Greek word. It's a Greek word for parents. And it's always, uh, and it's always in the plural in our Bibles. And he immediately tells us what parents mean in verse 2 where he says, Father and mother, a male and a female come together in the covenant of marriage, and they, as God leads and as God chooses, become parents. It's parents are father and mother. But notice in verse 4, he uses a different Greek word, and he says fathers, fathers. Now, this word fathers is interesting because it is sometimes used and translated as parents. Sometimes it is. And it can include father and mother. But notice in this context where he's just mentioned parents in verse 1. And now he uses the word for fathers in verse 4. Dads, you are to lead the way. And so what he's doing by combining verse 1 and verse 4 together, he's affirming a Christocentric complementarity. And so what, am I, what do I mean by that? Complementarity is simply that women and men are created equal in value, in dignity, and worth before God. They are both image bearers, but God has differing roles for male and female within marriage and within the church. And within marriage, that's husband and wife, which he just talked about in Ephesians 5. But within parenting, that's mother and father. And so notice in verses 6, 1 and 2, both the mom and the dad are worthy of obedience from their children. Both the mom and the dad are worthy of honor of their grown children. So they're equal in that dignity. They're equal in that worth. They're even equal in the responsibility, you could say, of needing to discipline their children. And yet, in verse 4, he draws out of that and says, Dads, you have an added responsibility to bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in a way that doesn't provoke them. So I, I, it's fascinating. In Christ, husband and wife are equal. In value, dignity, and worth are different role, but we're different in our roles and responsibilities in marriage and ministry. There's only one reason why. There's only one reason why the Holy Spirit would lead Paul in writing the inerrant Bible to go from parents in verse 1 to fathers in verse 4, and that's this. Dads, you are to lead the way in disciplining God's way, not your way or the highway. Okay? The idea is you are to be disciplining God's way. You lead the way by disciplining God's way. And our wives, as moms, come alongside, complement and complete us. And that's the thing. You say, well, yeah, I'm a single parent. What do I do? The Heavenly Father and His Son and His Holy Spirit, and I might add, our church comes alongside and helps to make up the slack. God knows, God understands, and God has grace. But how do you lead the way? So let me quickly give you these. It really comes down to this. How, how do I lead the way as a dad? You've got to know the way 
You've got to show the way. You've got to grow the way. And you've got to go the way. That's how you lead God's way. And really, this whole lesson is going to help you with that. But let's kind of break that down. What's it mean to know the way? You've got to understand discipline from your Heavenly Father's perspective according to His principles. Listen, here's the bottom line. Dads, you can't lead the way if you don't know God in His ways. You've got to know Him. You've, to lead and to discipline, and in the area of discipline, you've got to know His ways. You say, how do I know that? Well, one of the ways is be in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is the biblical parenting manual. Read it. Read it again. Read it with your kids. Study it with your kids. Dads, we have to see discipline from God's perspective, and then we have to learn to discipline according to his principles. I hope this lesson's going to help you with that. Plus, I have plenty of handouts over there to learn some of God's principles. So here's the thing. To know the way, then we show the way. What do I mean by show the way? You undergird discipline with your heavenly Father's presence. You've got to show your kids that you are under the discipline of the Lord. In other words, if you want your kids to be under your discipline, you need to be under the discipline of the Lord. You show them what obedience is like by showing how you're obedient to your heavenly Father. You show them what discipline is like by repenting when the Father disciplines you. One of the most important things that you can do uh, as a parent, mom, dad, any of us, is teaching your kids how to ask and give forgiveness. And you can tell them how to do that, but the best way is to show them how to do that, that when you screw up, you ask them for forgiveness. And periodically, it's just good to ask your kids, hey, is there anything that's between us? Is there anything that's separating us? And this is when they're older, obviously. But even as they're young, what I want you to know, that as I discipline you, I'm under the discipline, the loving discipline of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then to show the way, you have to grow the way. Undertake discipline with your Heavenly Father's power. This is a process. Here's what I want you to see. Discipline is not a one-off. Discipline is a growth process. You've got to grow in learning how to discipline, and you've got to allow your kids the growth process to grow through discipline. Because, you know, sometimes you're like, well, I tried that, and it didn't work. Well, how'd you know? Well, they did it again. Well, welcome to parenting. Right. That's it. That's how it is. I mean, I know moms and dads who spanked and spanked. I mean, many young parents say it feels like all I'm doing. I'm a spanking machine. And it's like, that's okay. You got to keep doing it because it is a process. You've got to grow through the process. And then finally, go the way. Underscore your discipline with your heavenly father's purposes. Here's the biggest thing. Discipline is not an end in itself. It's a means to a greater end. And I've got two verses there. Colossians 1.28. Turn your Bibles to Colossians 1.28. And then we're going to look at Hebrews 12.10. 
And all these verses are is just a reminder, again, that the same process that we should be trying to accomplish with our kids is the same process that the church and God himself is trying to accomplish. So look at, look at Colossians 1.28. Paul says this, We proclaim him, that's Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Admonish, teaching, that's the discipline process. Why do, does he do this? So that we may present every man complete in Christ. That's the goal. The goal is we discipline to grow a mature adult that then reproduces themselves in others. Turn to Hebrews 12.10. Specifically the area of disciplining. Look at Hebrews 12.10. Notice what it says. And again, here's this connection between earthly parents and their discipline and our heavenly Father. So look at Hebrews 12.10. For they disciplined us for a short time. And let me just say this, parents. It's short. It's real short. And I'm going to say later on in this lesson, you start early and be consistent. Start early, stay consistent. You can't wait for this to happen. You need to realize you do it for a short time. And here's the reality. We do it as we as it says, for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying, they're not going to get it perfectly. They did their best. But then notice what the rest of the verse, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his Holiness. Listen, you've got to begin with the end in mind. You've got to realize discipline is a means to a greater end of making disciples who make disciples. And so that's the first challenge. Dads, you lead the way in this by knowing the way, showing the way, growing the way and going the way. The second challenge is this. Dad, carry out discipline on Christ's behalf. Carry out discipline on Christ's behalf. Notice back in Ephesians 6, 4, what it says. Fathers, bring them up in the discipline of who? Of the Lord. Guys, as a dad leading the way, you are God's representative and you are bringing the discipline of the Lord to bear on your family. So let me just ask this, under this. In your family, who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? Who should be calling the shots in your family? Is it the kids? Well, okay, no, because we don't want to be child-centered families. Is it the mother? No. Oh, it must be the father. No, who's calling the shots? It's the Lord. It's the Lord who is to rule over our families through his word. One of my uh, professors from seminary said this about the in the Lord and of the Lord. He says, he argues that in the Lord means that the training and correction comes from the Lord and is prescribed by the Lord. Dads are the Lord's representatives, and therefore raise their children according to what the Lord desires and requires. 
What repeated in that? The Lord. So this isn't about being large and in charge. This isn't about being the boss. This is about being the representative, the servant of the Lord who then brings the Lord to bear on your family. Here's the bottom line. Dads, you're not the king of the household. You're not to be large and in charge, but submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Even submitted to your wife and children in the sense that you are to be the loving servant and sacrificial leader in leading them in this process. Now, here's the bottom line. There's only one way for our homes to be well-ordered and disciplined, and that's if we allow God to lead us as the head of our homes. Let me read to you Psalm 127, which is a great reminder on a Mother's Day, on a Father's Day. Great reminder, Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Listen, when you know God is the one who is large and in charge, When you know it's God who is the one who will help you lead your family, then you don't have to panic. You don't have to be anxious. And you can rest in the fact that I can go to sleep. I don't know what my kids may be doing. I don't know where my kids may be at. And more than likely, they may be doing what they shouldn't be doing. But you know what? The Lord is building my house. And I can rest in Him. So here's what I want you to see. A well-ordered and disciplined home requires mutual submission. It requires mutual submission. If we had time, I'd show you that everything in Ephesians 6 flows from Ephesians 5. And Ephesians 5 says this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So what he does is he says this, Everybody's supposed to submit to one another in the fear of God. Then he starts talking to husbands and wives. Then he starts talking to children and, and, and parents and dads. Then he talks about servants and masters. But here's the bottom line. We're all to be submitting to one another. And if you go back to Ephesians 5, when it says, Husbands, you're the head of the home, and it says, Love your wife as Christ loves the church. Submit to Christ. When it says to wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, it says as to the Lord. When it says children, obey your parents, it says obey them in the Lord. And when it says dads, discipline your kids, it says to do it in and of the Lord. Listen, we're all under him. Amen. We're all under him. So this isn't one better than the other. And this isn't one that gets all the freedom and all the liberties and all the rights and all the privileges. No, we all are to fear our God. And this is not a frightening fear. It's the fear of Narnia, of Aslan, the lion, who is, is good, but he's not safe. He's a lion. You don't play around with him. 
But at the same time, you come to him and he invites you in. That's the kind of God that we serve. But here's the sad reality. Many men are missing in action when it comes to discipline. Here's the deal. Here's how you, as a guy, are often absent. First of all, relationally absent. Relationally absent. Sometimes, sadly, dads are physically absent because the marriage has been broken or there was no marriage and they're not there. They're physically not there. I don't know who my birth dad is. I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's alive. I don't know anything about him. That happens. That's physical absence. But sometimes dads are present, but emotionally absent, emotionally absent. And you're physically there, but your heart isn't in it, and your kids don't know your heart. Secondly, many men are missing in action when it comes to discipline because they're spiritually passive. They have confused taking their kids to church with leading their kids into the presence of God. Taking your kids to church is a great and vital thing. But if you're not leading them into the presence of God, if you're not showing them the way in your own life and in your own home, no amount of things the church can do can can replace that passivity. Or delegating the spiritual things to your wife. I'm so, and, and if you have a godly wife... And a godly mother who's investing and taking the lesson we talked about, that is great. But dads, you've got to lead in that area. And then number three, personally self-absorbed. And this is something we all struggle with, male, female, but I think as men. Personally self-absorbed in my career, in my hobbies, in my own insecurity, in my own laziness, in my own lusts. I'm telling you, the church in our culture is being devastated by pornography. Devastated. And guys, when, when, if you're addicted to that, it drains you. It drains your energy for the things of God. It drains your inner energy for romance and love with your wife. It drains your energy just for the things of God. And if you struggle with that, we will help you with that. We, there's, the, the shame is in not getting the help that you need. Here's the bottom line, and I think I have this in your notes. Fathers are MIA when they lack compassion, when they lack consistency, when they lack cooperation with their wives, and when they lack commitment and courage. Ultimately, you're missing in action if you lack Christ in your life. And so I hope you draw closer to him and make a commitment to do that today. Dads, you discipline on Christ's behalf. Don't take that role lightly. You are God's representative to your kids in this area. And particularly, our kids largely often get a view of God from their view of their dad. Now, I am so thankful that God intervenes. Amen? And he intervenes with the gospel, and he intervenes with grace, and he intervenes with other male models when you're a part of a church family. Listen, I just don't know how 
people make it through life without active fellowship, commitment, and service in a church. In, in, in a small group or in a class like this. All of that works together to shape us. Well, here's the third challenge. The third challenge from this verse is this. Dads, be under control when you discipline. You know, the last thing I, we want to do is unleash a bunch of dads out there and go wild in your discipline, okay? That's not the idea. Be under control. Why do I say that? Well, because that's where Paul starts. And look at verse 4. What's the first thing he says to his dads? Dads, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? Well, provoke means to make angry. It's the angry frustration that discourages our kids, depresses them, and often leads to outright rebellion. It is a dangerous line to walk between godly discipline, doing the tough love, and yet not provoking. So dads are warned here not to provoke their children to anger. And here's the number one way to provoke them, by not doing the second half of the verse. Here's the number way to provoke them. Don't do the second half of the verse. Listen, God has created kids, and he's created us as people to long to be led to the Lord. And so not leading our kids, not disciplining our kids, leads to provoking. But here's the other reality. Sometimes... We think we're disciplining our kids, but really what we're doing is provoking them to anger through our discipline. Any parent ever been there and done that? Gwen, can, can you raise the hand with me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do what? Uh, yeah, 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 we're just all that. Because every parent should be raising their hand, right? Or we need to have confessed lying in the room, okay? So I don't know which it is, but here's the deal. Here's the idea. You don't want to be like the father of three by the name of Yoshiko Kato. Don't be like Yoshiko Kato. He's a father of three, and he won a shouting contest with a shout louder than than a passing train. And here's what he shouted. If you want a war, you go. I don't know why. But here's the deal. The sound meter registered 115.8 decibels. Louder than the roar of a train passing overhead on an elevated railroad. For that winning shout, Kato won $750 grand prize of the 10th annual Hall's Year-End Loud Voice Contest. Okay? So you you can be a part of this. Kim, join. Kato admitted, now here's the reason I'm sharing. He admitted that he probably built up his loud voice by shouting at his children. Okay? So this is not what you want to do. This is how you provoke your kids, by yelling at them is one way. That reminds me of a man in a supermarket who was pushing a cart, which contained, among other things, a screaming baby. And as the man proceeded along the aisles, he kept repeating softly, Keep calm, George. Don't get excited, George. Don't get excited, George. Don't yell, George. 
And there was a lady watching, and she was so appreciative of his gentle spirit. She said to the man, You are certainly to be commended for your patience in trying to quiet little George. And the man looked at her and said, Lady, I'm George. Okay, I'm George. And there is many a parent that can relate to that. And you need to do self-talk as a parent. Okay, don't say anything. Okay, just listen. Okay, God, what do I need to say? What do I need to not say? When do I need to say it? All of this is a part of not provoking our kids. Now, I've taught a whole lesson on this in the past, and there's at least nine different ways that you can, not, that you can provoke your kids. I can't take you through all that. Let me give you four just for this lesson. And one way is the absence of discipline and corporal punishment. The absence of discipline and even corporal punishment as taught by the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 23, 13. Do not hold back discipline from a child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. Amber, are you still alive? <laughs> we won't have any more commentary on that. But she didn't die. You will strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Listen, nothing provokes kids. See, we think, oh, if I discipline, that'll provoke them. In reality, no, the discipline is what drives rebellion out of their heart by the grace of God. So absence of discipline. Number two, absence of love in corporal punishment. You provoke your kids when you spank in anger. You provoke your kids when you don't instruct them before you spank them. You provoke your kids when you don't comfort and love them after corporal discipline. Third way you provoke is the presence of unrealistic realistic standards of perfection and this is hard some so if if your kids feel they can never measure up that provokes a spirit of rebellion and then number four the presence of hypocrisy never asking forgiveness never admitting your sin never acknowledging hey i blew that one will you forgive me provokes our kids now Here's the thing about this command. Do not provoke your kids. It's given in a way that says, don't make this an ongoing habit. And that brings hope. Because in other words, it's saying, you're going to do this. Just don't make it a habit of doing it. And so when you realize you're provoking your kids, you need to pull a Barney Fife and do what? Nip it in the bud. Barney Fife? Is that good? Do I get points for that? That's a dad illustration. Nip it in the bud. So it's like, don't get up all guilt. Don't get all up. You know, just realize and even ask your kids, am I provoking you? You know, and be ready for whatever they say. Listen to them. But honestly, and ask your spouse, ask your mate. And by the way, moms, you can provoke kids too, but this is a dad's lesson. Okay, so here we go. All right. And so that's, that's the thing. So here's, here's what you have in your notes. How, how do I not do this? A well-ordered and disciplined home requires being spirit-filled. 
If you look back in Ephesians 5, the la- it says, submit yourselves one to another. But before that, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, here's the key to all this. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled. Keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. So that's what we need to do. Am I under the control of the Spirit? Am I submitting to Him? How important is it to show the fruit of the Spirit in our discipline? Love, joy, peace. You say joy and discipline? Yeah, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. And in Hebrews 12 the, the author says, no discipline seems joyful for the moment. But when you get to the other side, you're like, oh, I'm so glad my parents disciplined me. Oh, I'm so glad my parents trained me. And one of the things you ought to thank your dad for and your heavenly father for is you have disciplined me. You have stopped me from getting into sin that I was pursuing. You have rebuked me in my sin and called me to repentance and offered me forgiveness. What a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. But that leads us to challenge number four, and it's this. Dad, surround your discipline with godly instruction. Surround your discipline with godly instruction. Notice what he says. He uses two key words. In verse 4, look at verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in what? What? Nurture and admonition. What are other translations? Discipline and instruction. Nurture and admonition. All right. Now, these two words are kind of interesting. All right. But they come together. And in different contexts, they can kind of mean different things. But here's the bottom line about what these words mean. The top two priorities of dads who are difference makers are this. Discipline your children with the Lord and disciple your children in the Lord. Okay? Discipline your children with God's help. Because these two words... The one is broad, and it talks about training, discipling, guiding, more the positive. Here's where we're going. Kind of the know the way, show the way, grow the way, go the way. The other word is more for the rebuke, the discipline, the, oh, hey, you're, you're deviating here. Oh, wait, you're drifting here. Oh, wait, you're disobedient disobedient here, and you exhort them. So these are the two rails. These are the two rails. Because we all are homes, and especially dads, we tend to be one or the other. All discipline, all rules, or all discipleship to where we're just instructing, but there's no disciplining. Or we do a lot of disciplining without the instructing. Okay, I was raised in a home that had discipline, but no instructing, no guidance, no direction, no, here's where we're going. I'm thankful, thankful for the discipline, but what I found is, as I grow, grew up and left our home, 
I didn't know right and wrong. I didn't know how to make decisions. I didn't know any of that other than fleshly common sense, which isn't the best. Until God brought someone from this church into my life, led me to Christ. When I came to this church and then I realized, oh, God will instruct me. I will receive godly instruction from his word. And I ate it up because it was a void in my life. But I'm thankful for the discipline. I just needed also the instruction. And children thrive under both of these. They need strong direction and strong support. So here's how God disciplines his children. Every prohibition in the Bible has a provision and a protection. Every prohibition has a provision and a protection. In other words, here's what you don't do, but here's how it provides for your life, and here's what it protects you from. That's what we want to be teaching our kids. Don't do this, but here's why, and here's the positive and negative results if you don't. And so the entire Bible is built in this way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Here's the path. Reproof, you're, you're drifting from the path. Correction, here's the way to get back on the path. And instruction, parenting, training in righteousness. That's the process. That's the process. So here's what I want to give you. Discipline, as important as it is, so Audrey, let's see this. As important as discipline is, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship. Discipline without instruction will lead to rebellion. Passive, aggressive, aggressive, it doesn't matter. Relationship without rules equals regret. So the relationship, the instruction, but never the consequences and painful consequences. That's a part of corporal punishment. When you eliminate the pain out of your discipline, you're eliminating the teaching process that connects the butt to the heart. Okay? There's a connection there. It's just there it is. Okay? And it... That all, but it has to be in this context of relationship. All right, that is so, so vital. And here I've got all sorts. I got three handouts there. Three handouts for you on the area of discipline, corporal punishment. Okay, and uh, uh, so take a look at that. And dads, lead the way. Lead the way with your wives on that. And then also, I can't recommend enough for instruction. This book, we got this free at T4G, and uh, I'm reading it now just for my own devotions. And it's got pictures in it, and the thing is, it takes you through the whole Old Testament, and it leads you in how to instruct your kids. And then on top of that, it take, brings in the character and the theology of God. I mean, it just, I mean I'm just blessed by it. And Gwen, I don't know, maybe we need to have a adopt, you know, I don't know, something. Have another kid. I want to use this, but I'm using it for me. All right. But Amber, you'll always be my favorite daughter. I want you to know that. All right, so here's the deal. 
we here's the thing. We know that whatever glorifies God. I'm sorry, I got excited there. Um, so here's what we did uh, with uh, disciplining Amber, and, and so here, here's what we did in our in our corporal punishment. We never spanked Amber without doing three things. One, making sure we had clearly communicated the rule before she broke it. You can't spank somebody for something they don't. They, they don't know what they're doing. Number two, making sure she could explain what she did wrong before we spanked her. Do you know why you're getting this? No. Well, let's talk about that. You know. Yes. Okay, tell me. Tell me. What did you do wrong? Let's talk about that. And by the way, Dad, Mom, this allows you cool down time before you get to the corporal punishment okay third thing we did making sure that she knows we love her and hugging and loving and forgiving after the spanking and i've told this many times and it was just such a blessing as a dad of i was talking to amber and i'm like you know you don't want to get a spanking do you and she said yes and i'm like okay my kid's crazy why is she and then i tried to talk her out of it she goes no no i want to spank and i said why why do you and then i thought well i better ask her instead of telling her why do you want want spanking? Because I love, I like the loving afterwards. In other words, at least that communicated one thing we did right, and that is cover that with love going in and going out. Here's the final challenge, Dad. Dad, discipline for God's glory and your children's good. Discipline for God's glory and your children's good. Notice how this passage ends. Verse 4. The Lord. Verse 4. The Lord. It's for His glory, and it's for the good of your kids. Fathers, bring them up for the Lord. And it's not going to be easy. And that's why you got... You need the handouts. You need the hard work. I remember one of the first things I learned as a young dad in disciplining was this was going to be hard work. Because you know what happens? You get tired. And it seems repetitive. And it just seems better to bark orders from the couch. Or, and it's harder to do the physical disciplining. And to do it in a godly manner takes work. Am I right, Pat? It's work. And you've already worked, and now you're working more. And it's work, and you've got to work together, but it's worth it. And you say, well, will this guarantee my kids turn out the way I want them to be? No, it isn't a guarantee. Will it guarantee that they turn out the way God wants them to be? No, they have a will, and they can make choices. But here's the thing. I'm going to be accountable, even as my daughter is a grown adult, I'm going to be accountable before the Lord someday. And he's not going to ask me, Chris, were you perfect? Because he already knows I wasn't. He already sent a Savior for that. He's not going to ask me, did you ever, did you, did you ever fail as a parent? Because he already knows I did. But what he's going to ask is, did you discipline my way as best as you could? And in the power of my spirit, did you lead the way in disciplining God's way. And then you have to release them to the Lord. And you give roots and you have given wings and then you have to let them basically respond to the discipline of the Lord. 
and you pray, Lord, you're perfect. I'm passing the baton to you. And so you, you speak into their life. You discipline them. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Ezo. He's the author of the book, Baby, the Baby Wise Books. And he once asked his daughter, Jennifer, what she thought was the biggest problems fathers have with their kids. And she said, dads have too many tomorrows. You know, I'll play with you tomorrow. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And she was right. Dads, be there now for your children. Building quality and quantity benchmarks of trust. Don't wait until tomorrow or you'll end up wasting too many todays. And they are gone before you know it. But God can give them lasting, lasting impact through your discipline, Dad, if you dare to discipline. And you're swimming upstream. You're not going to get any of this kind of encouragement from the world. You're not going to find what's in this book and what's in these uh, handouts. You're not going to find that in the world. But you can find it in God's people and in God's word. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for each dad here. I thank you for the dads represented by each person here. We have all had a father and a mother. And Lord, in your divine plan and providence, we are where we're at today. And so, Father, may we run to you. And may our dads be encouraged of their vital, important role. And Lord, may they humble themselves. May I humble myself under your discipline and respond, Lord, with a faith that is quick to hear, quick to obey from the heart. God, raise up this next generation. Strengthen our dads. May we pray for our dads, for our mothers, for our families. And Lord, as we head into camp, we pray that your spirit would again work in the lives of these young people so that they may see you as their only hope and as their greatest heavenly father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.